Love Talk Radio. I need you to get you a song list.
I never got over mine. Amen. You won't ever get over yours either. Amen. It's all right. God's good. Amen. All the time. Well, praise God. We got prayer requests this morning. I can think of three right off the top of my head. Uh, my friend Carl Cullum over in Paris, he's still getting better, but he still needs prayer for his kidneys. Um, but he's getting stronger all the time. And Erica's mom, she was telling me just a minute ago that they took her off the ventilator and put a trick in her and, and pray for her. She says she's not any worse, but she's uh, she's definitely a little better than she was. And we give God glory for that, and we pray for her complete recovery. Um, also, uh, my wife's uh, cousin's husband, Dale Meyer, the one with the Guillain-Barre syndrome, uh, I, I haven't spoke to her, but I just watched her post on Facebook, and she said that he had gotten feeling in most everything except for his lower legs, and they were hopeful that that was coming back too. So so it seems like he's going to make a good recovery, and we thank God for answering prayers in that regard. My aunt, Mary Ruth Norris, uh, over in uh, Dallas, the Mesquite area, her, uh, she's a uh, how old is Mary Ruth? 83, and she's been through the regular health-wise this year, and uh, she was doing really good. She takes care of my invalid cousin who had a stroke uh, probably over 20 years ago. She can't hardly take care of herself, and uh, she's been taking care of her at 83, but she's she's about to get to the point where she can't anymore. They're in a mess, and her health's not good. Please pray for them this morning. That's my aunt and her and my cousin. Um, any others this morning? Prayer requests? Yes, Bonnie. Okay. Well, I'm Mr. this She loses feeling in her hands and feet. This morning she says she couldn't feel anything from her ankles down. Their feet are completely numb. Pray for her. That's a nerve issue. It's not diabetes or anything like that. It's a nerve issue. Please, please pray she gets better. Somebody else, anybody? Yes, Miss Charlotte. Your help. Amen. Anybody else? Yes, Tammy. Praise God. Praise God. Y'all lift your foot. Okay. All right. We'll be praying for you and praying for Freddie, too. Amen. And pray for Dan. Pray for Dan. He's knocking bark off his face. Pray for him. Pray for him. Pray for him to get steadier. Amen. All right. Anything else before we pray? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God to meet with us today. Let let God meet with us. We're wasting our time. We want God to come and meet with us personally. So let's pray. I'll pray. Robert, pray. Y'all will pray. We'll all pray together. Robert, Robert, lead us. Amen. You may see it.
100% sure everything that's going to be going in those care packages, but I know that we're going to be putting uh, some, some New Testaments and gospel tracts and other things amongst that, but but I'm, I'm not sure what all y'all talk about putting in them. Okay. But it's a ministry because, again, those people are some of the least appreciated people in our community, and we need to let them know, you know, there's a church over here that appreciates what they're doing, and we, and we want them to be saved. You know, you want the people who respond in your area to the tragedies and the accidents to be God-fearing, God-loving people because in those times, listen, when, when you've been in a horrible accident or you're going through a medical emergency, you'd a whole lot rather have a Christian helping you than you would have somebody that don't even know God who's just going through the motions. So, so I, I, I'm definitely behind what, what we're talking about doing, and I think that's a good ministry alongside just a gospel preaching ministry and a, and a, and a, uh, and a sharing the gospel in the community ministry. And that is as well because you're sharing New Testament, sharing tracts, and and also essentials. So, if you want, if you're if you're looking to get involved with that, ladies, and it's a ladies ministry. But if you'd like to be involved with it in some manner, get in touch with my wife. Uh, or talk to Miss Bonnie, either one. But but Stephanie said you'd be you can come talk to her about it anytime you want to, and, and they'll and they're wanting to get this together and start this up. So make make haste to do it so we can get it doing. All right, well, let's sing another one forty nine one hundred and forty nine. He is able to deliver thee. As the grandest theme through the ages run, as the grandest theme for a mortal song, as the grandest theme that the world has sung, our God is able to deliver thee. He is able to deliver Blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. 
I don't know why I couldn't remember. <laughs> You're 28? You know, I heard a story once about this little little boy who was in church, and he was leaving, and uh, he came up to this lady, and and uh, she he said, he talked in her dress, and he said, do you know how old I am? And she said, how old? He said, I'm five. He said, how old are you? She said, I'm 29 and holding. He said, how old would you be if you turned loose? I'm not going to ask you. Amen. I'm not going to ask you, praise God. Take your Bible this morning. Turn to Acts chapter uh, 16. Acts chapter 16. And you pray for me this morning. I I, I was working in my shop yesterday, and I kept thinking, well, I I need to stop and work on an outline. And then God just kind of said, you don't need an outline, boy. You know this message. Just preach it. Amen. So I'm up here without a net this morning, so pray for me and pray for that clock because I don't have no schedule I'm running on, so we'll just see what God does this morning. It may We may end up early. You never know. I ain't got no schedule. Amen. But God God does what God's in charge. Amen. So, all right. Let's look at our Bible this morning, and, and we're going to begin reading. Let's see where we're going to begin there. Uh, we're going to begin reading there in verse 19. And we're going to read down through the rest of the chapter. Uh, and and I'll go back and kind of catch us up on it in just a second after we read. But let's begin there in verse 19 of chapter 16 of the book of Acts. And the Bible said, well, I'll tell you what, so you understand it, we'll back up to verse 16. And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying or fortune-telling. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this she, did she many days. And But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas, and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers, and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city, and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes, and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened. And everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we're all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do? to be saved. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the sergeant, saying, Let those men go. And the keeper of the prison told this saying to Paul, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. But Paul said unto them, They have beaten us openly, uncondemned, being Romans, and have cast us into prison, and now they do thrust us out privily? Nay, verily, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. And the sergeants told these words unto the magistrates, and they feared when they heard that they were Romans. And they came and besought them and brought them out and desired them to depart out of the city. 
And they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. May the Lord add his blessing this morning to the reading of his words. And let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before your throne this morning. Lord, the best that we know how, Lord, we offer ourselves up to you. Lord, fill us. We pray you cleanse us, Lord, any sin that remains in us, Lord, that we've not brought before your throne and confessed to you to receive cleansing, Lord, we come now. We ask you, Lord, to forgive us. We ask you to cleanse us. We ask us to fill every fiber of our being with the Spirit of God. Lord, Lord, I pray you put up our spiritual antennas as high as you can take it. And, Lord, give us the message today. Let us receive from you what you have for us to understand and learn from this today. Lord, I pray you'd energize us. Lord, you'd wake us up spiritually that we might realize that there's a work to do. There's a task to be done. There's a task to be accomplished. There's souls to be reached. There's souls to be saved. Father, help us to see that you'll guide us no matter the difficulty. You'll guide us no matter those who come against us. You'll keep us, Lord, in the face of a disaster. Lord, help us to see that the Holy Ghost of God can allow us to persevere in the worst of circumstances. And Lord, we just want to give you the glory and the praise for it this morning because you brought us this far. And, Lord, we do lift up all those around the world that are trying to preach the gospel this morning. Lord, we pray for those in, in Lord, in war torn Ukraine this morning. Lord, Christians who are trying to meet. Lord, we pray for them in their struggles. Lord, all those who are innocently suffering. Father, we pray, Father, for, for their protection. Lord, we ask you to bless us and our nation now. Father, forgive our sin in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. And just to remind you, Paul and Silas are going down to the river, and Lydia's already been saved. They've been staying in her house, and they're going down to the river again to pray. And on their way down there, several days, this girl is a young girl, and she is a slave. She is she is owned by these these corrupt men who are who are uh, who are trying to uh, run her life, and and she has no freedom. She has no liberty of her own. She is essentially uh, a, she is a slave. I want to give a title of this message this morning. I told my wife and she looked at me like I was crazy. But I want to call this message this morning, The Preachers, The Prison, and The Power of God. And they say pimps. That's a horrible word. Well, you know what? The reason I want to mention that word pimp is because I think in this culture today, it's been getting a little too much favorable attention. People say, look at me, I'm pimping. I got my pimping clothes on. They think that's a cool word. Ain't nothing cool about that. What these people were doing, they were using this little girl. I don't know where her parents were, but these men were not seeking her best interest. They were not taking care of her. They were using her for everything that they could get out of her. I don't know if there was some kind of a if there was some kind of a sexual connotation to this or if it was simply for the fact that she was indwelt by a demon and she was giving for she was telling fortunes and making money for them. I don't know what all was involved, but it doesn't make any difference. If it's spiritual or sexual, they were they were her pimps. They were ruling and controlling every move she made. And the devil was using her to try to disrupt what God was doing. And Paul finally had enough of it, and he turned around. He didn't say to the little girl, because the little girl was innocent of the matter. He said to the spirit that was controlling her, come out of her. And it came out of her immediately. Now what happened? Well, let's look at verse 19. The Bible said, and when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, I mean, she was of no use to them anymore. She couldn't, she couldn't prophesy the future anymore. She couldn't tell fortunes anymore. That devil had gone. It wasn't her. It was the devil inside of her that was doing it. And so she was worthless to them. I wish I knew her faith. I wish I knew what became of her, but the Bible doesn't tell us what became of her. But I believe with all my soul she must have gotten saved. I don't believe God delivers anybody from the devil he doesn't save. Amen? I don't know what became of her, but if she got Christ, I guarantee you she went to heaven. I know that. But the Bible said that those men got mad, those pimps, those, those masters of her, they got angry with them because they ruined their business. They said, hey, you took away our income. How dare you do that? How dare you set her free? I'm going to tell you something. The world don't like what Jesus does. You know why? Because this world's run on sin and corruption. And when you take somebody and they get saved, they no longer want to be a part of that sin and corruption anymore. And the, de- and the devil sees that as a loss, and the devil don't like it. Amen? He don't like the fact that Jackie got saved. He don't like the fact that Diane and Erica got saved. He don't like the fact that you got saved. Amen? And I only mention them because they're the the newest converts in this church, and I thank God for every one of them. But I'm telling you, the devil don't like that they got saved. 
Amen. He doesn't like that we're trying to do something for Jesus. He doesn't like the fact that we're witnessing. He doesn't like the fact that seven people got saved last Saturday. He does not like it. He didn't like this either. He didn't like this so bad. He, you know what? He caused those men to say, you know what? We're going to put a stop to you guys right now. You take away from us, we're going to take away from you. We're going to take your freedom away. Notice what it says. <clears throat> when they saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas. That means they grabbed a hold of them. I mean, they got them in a headlock. I don't know. Maybe they got them in a short hole, but they got a hold of them. They weren't getting away from them. They said, we're going to fix your boys. We're going to fix your wagon. Amen. And they brought them to the magistrates. That would have been the equivalent of the sheriff's department or the judges. They brought them down there, and here's what they said. They said, now listen, doesn't that sound racist? You does to me. These men being Jews, amen, everybody's so sensitive these day and time, but, but that's, 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 that's kind of how it was. Hey, they ain't from down here now. These guys ain't from here. They didn't come up here in our place promoting their religion and causing problems. He said, he said they, they do exceedingly trouble our city. Now, they had not said exaggerating. The devil loves to stretch something and try to make it bigger than it is. He always does. Did remember that. Anytime the devil's picking on you, he's always going to make it seem worse than it is. That's his forte. Amen. That's his M.O. And that's exactly what they were trying to do. They were trying to make this bigger than it really was. Yeah, what happened was they lost a slave. Well, ain't that terrible? But they acted like they was upsetting the entire city. No, it was just your business. That's all it was. <clears throat> but he said, these men do, being used to exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. Now, just as I said in Sunday school, I know some of y'all wasn't in here, but just as I said during Sunday school, that period of time in the Roman Empire, there was no Christianity in it. It was nothing but paganism. You were talking, uh, back during that time, you're, you're, you're looking at, at all of those uh, mythological gods and whatnot that they were worshiping. And all of that idea and all that pagan god and all that stuff, again, goes back to the Babylonian culture and where the Tyre of Babel was. All of that went into all the world, and that's where it all came from. That's the origin of it all. And that was what was, that was, what was in fashion in, in, in uh, Philippi where they were at. And so these men brought that to the magistrate and said, hey, you know we worship these, these gods, uh, these, these gods of the pantheon or whatever. I don't know. I don't, I don't keep up with all this terminology of the, the mythological gods. But, but you know we worship that. We don't believe in this Jesus stuff. They bring in this weird Jewish stuff from down yonder in Israel. They bring in that stuff. That is what we believe here. You know, I've, had people, I've, gone, I've gone to doors in, in this county, Lamar County. People say, I don't believe none of that nonsense. We don't believe that stuff here. Y'all know we all religion. They people will mistreat you because they don't like Jesus. They'll miss it ain't you, it's Jesus that they don't like. See, it wasn't the fact that Paul and Silas were preaching. It wasn't the fact that, that they were going and preaching. That didn't bother them at all. It's when it's when the power of God showed up. And let me say to you this morning, weak, dead, watered down religion ain't gonna that won't Get a chicker saved, ain't going to threaten the devil one bit. Nice, sweet little good thoughts for the day and how to make your life better and all that smiley nonsense like Osteen preaches and all that stuff. Listen, it might make you feel good, but it ain't going to change your life. It's not going to help you in your times of crisis. It's not going to bring you through when you don't know how to make it. No, it ain't going to deliver you. But I can tell you what, what Paul and Silas were preaching, that was powerful. That's the power of the Holy Ghost of God, folks. When he turned to that spirit, when he said to him, come out of her, that was the Holy Ghost of God speaking to a minor, tiny little spirit that had to go. And he said in verse 22, or 20, uh, 20, yeah, 22, and the multitude rose up together against them. So they got everybody fired up with their talk. They got the mob all excited. You know it ain't hard to do when you got a bunch of bunch of folks around you that, that ain't got no sense. And they're criminal minded to begin with. They're looking for a good riot. You can see what happened in America. There was a bunch of people who was looking to go out in the street and bash bash store windows in and, and beat people up. There was people ready to do that. I mean they didn't have to call them out. They just showed up. And they were 
people who got all worked up wasn't even there when it happened. They was just looking for a reason. So they start. They got a mob going. They got a mob down at the down at the city hall or whatever. And and the Bible said, and the magistrates, man, they heard all this chanting and carrying on. Get rid of them. Get rid of them. Of course, they're politicians. What are they gonna do? They reached up and just ripped their clothes in half. That was a symbolic gesture. We feel your pain. Because let's be honest, it, 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 what happened down there with that girl hadn't affected the magistrates one way or another. But you know what? The political winds affected them. And they said, hey, there's an uproar. These foreigners will come in, and we got to put a stop to this nonsense right now before this gets out of hand. So, rip. we're with you guys. And the Bible said, and not only was that enough, they had to whip them and beat them, too. The Bible said that when they laid many stripes upon them, so they took them in and they chained them up, and they took that cat of nine tails, which was a Roman instrument, which they hit Jesus with over and over and over, ripping his flesh, and they bound them up, and they took their sleeves and they tore their backs to pieces and shreds, just like they did Jesus. So I want you to understand. I want you to get the, get the, get the gist of what they're going through. They just went down there to tell people about Christ. They didn't expect this. I don't think Paul expected to have his back toward a shred overturned around rebuking that spirit. I don't figure Silas figured he was going to get plowed with that cat of nine tails. But yet it's happening. And a weaker believer might say, where's God? Where's God? Where's God? Why would God let me go through this? Oh, God, why? I'm going to tell you something. Paul saw it as suffering for Christ's sake. I guarantee you, Paul, as he was taking those lashes, thought, this is what Christ endured for me, and I'm glad to endure it for him. Matter of fact, he said so in other places in the Bible. The Bible said when they laid many stripes on they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. You better keep these boys. You better not let anything happen to them because we're going to deal with them. <clears throat> who, having received such a charge, he knew it was important. He knew that he had to keep these guys. These, these, this was a big deal. And he had to make sure they were safe. He took them down into the very deepest, darkest part of the prison, and they put those lead chains on them and they, in the stock. I don't know if it was maybe along the floor, but they, but they locked them in where they couldn't even get up and go to the bathroom. They couldn't get up and go anywhere. They were locked, sitting in a place. And they put those chains on their hands, and I assume they're all chained together sitting there in the dark, in the dungeon, in the darkest part of the prison, in the dark. The Bible says, and at midnight. Can you imagine how dark it was in that prison at midnight? Imagine what it smelled like in there at midnight. Nobody can get up. I hate to sound gross, but if you had to go, you had to go right there. It was a horrible, horrible conditions they were in. You know, it would have been easy for, for, for one of them to say, you know, if we ever get out of this, I'm going back to Jerusalem. I had enough of all this. This is hard. You know, it's hard for us sometimes to get up out of bed and come down here in the morning, Sunday morning. Hard for us sometimes to read our Bible. Hard for us sometimes to stop and pray. Hard for us to share Jesus with somebody. No, that's not hard at all. What's hard is when you're in the dark in the middle of the night in a strange place with, with your back toward a shred chained up. You don't know if you're going to make it out of there. And instead of griping, instead of moaning, instead of complaining, instead of questioning God, Paul just opened his mouth and started singing praise. He started praying, Oh, God, deliver us from this situation. Father, you knew our way before we came into this place. Father, you knew that we would be here. Father, keep us in the midst of this and deliver us from this. And I guarantee you, as he was praying, he got this prayer and he started singing. And Silas joined him in song. They're singing louder and louder. God starts tapping his foot in heaven. Earth starts talking. He must get part of that. Amen. Oh, that's in my original verse. I like that. He's tapping his foot along with the earth starts shaking. Pretty soon, the prisoners are vibrating and shaking and everything. And all of a sudden, the stocks come loose. And the chains come loose from off of them. The Bible said, suddenly there was a great earth. I read after a commentator yesterday. What made me so mad? He said, he said, you know, he said, there's no more mention of the earthquake, so maybe it didn't even happen. And I thought, who in the world were you to try to question God and what happened? Just because God didn't see fit to mention it three or four times, it must not have happened. Let me tell you something. If this isn't the word of God, it happened. Amen? The Bible said the foundations of the prison were shaking. It was a pretty good little 
tremor there if it busted up the ground and everything else. And immediately all the doors were opened. That doesn't, that doesn't seem strange at all, does it, Dan? You live on black land. When the ground shifts, what happens? Doors won't close, will they? They won't latch no more. Hey, the bread doors come open. And immediately, immediately, right then, and everyone's bands were loose. So it wasn't just Paul and Silas that was free to go. Everybody in there was free to go. But you know, I think it scared everybody in there so bad, everybody didn't move. So the keeper of the prison, he woke up out of his sleep. And the first thought of this went through his mind. I can tell you. You know what the thought went through his mind was? You know why? Because as a keeper of a Roman prison, the rule was if you lose a prisoner, you lose your life. He knew. When they said, you got to put him in there, and I'm like, sure, he's saying, hey, listen, he knew. If them guys get out of here, I'm dead. They're going to kill me. And it wasn't easy that he was going to face He faced a torturous death. And he knew it. So why? Why would he kill himself? Well, he didn't want to have to face torture. He didn't want to have, they would, they would, they would punish him before they killed him. So he draws his sword out. He's getting ready to do like they're doing the samurai movie before he goes to get through himself. He's about ready to kill himself. And yet inside the prison, he hears the voice. Don't hurt yourself. We're here. Everybody's here. Nobody left. It's okay. He's stared death right in the face. He stared eternity right in the eye. It shook him to his core. He, I, I guarantee you, before that time, that man had never given thought probably to what he was going to go when he left this world. The Bible doesn't say how old he was, but I'm assuming if he was a prisoner, he was a keeper of prisoners, he probably wasn't an older man. He was probably a younger man. Paul said, we're all here. Don't hurt yourself. We're all here. Do yourself no harm. He said, somebody get me a light where I can see. He ran into the prison, came, the Bible says, trembling. He had been shaken to his very core. He had just about taken his own life. He was just at the point where he had resigned himself to leaving this world. And a glimmer of hope came from inside the prison. And when he came on down in there, he found all the hope he needed. He brought him out, and he said, sirs, oh, he, he, no, he said he fell down before Paul and Paul. I mean, he gave up. You know, he was, a moment ago, he was about to lose his life on account of thinking that, that he had to. And now he just wilts. He just wilts. Thank God, I don't have to doubt. Thank God. Sirs, come here, please. What what I what I have to do? What does I do to be saved? I want to be saved. I want what you have. I want I want what you have to put you that allows you to sing and praise God and stand when you come around. I want that. You see, what we go through, what we endure for Christ's sake, what we suffer through for Christ's sake, does matter. You say, I don't want to have to go through all times and troubles, and I don't want to have to face all these things. You're going to face them regardless. But facing them with Jesus, you can have victory in the middle of trouble. You can have victory though you go through trials. You are victorious. God calls us more than conquerors through him who loved us. Praise God. Through the blood of Jesus, we are victorious over this world. Sirs, what must I do? I preach all day on this verse, and I ain't got time to preach all day on this verse, but I do want to say this. There ain't a thing you can do. Not a thing you can do. As the songwriter said, in my hand, the whole price I bring, simply because I cross my cross. There's a lot of people in this world think that they're going to do Very young man, and we were walking up down the street to the parking lot. We had a street to turn. I didn't really know how to wear clothes. I was just young, bringing the board. I had read somewhere about somebody doing a 
show us that we're rotten sinners in need of salvation. And and praise God for that. That meant, listen, if Paul would have said, hey, you got to join a church and do this, you got to be baptized in this church, and you got to shake this preacher's hand, or you got to you got to fall out the gate and fall around and on the floor, or you got to be good and never sin. Whatever the answer is, it's all lies of pit of hell. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He said, believe. Believe. That's not a work. I don't care what anybody says. Believe is not a work. He didn't go get it. Paul didn't give it to him. He didn't say, here, you've got to be safe. Take it. Take it. No. He wanted it. He he asked for it. And he received it gladly. Now listen to what the Bible says. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved, and thy house. You know why he said, and thy house? Because nobody in their right mind would want to get saved and go home and just live the rest of their life with lost people and never get them into heaven too. Why in the world would somebody get saved and keep it all to themselves? Amen. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of in my life. If somebody gets saved, they God has a plan for that. Okay? He said, He said, He said, teaching them to, to do all things whatsoever I've commanded you. He wants us to not only get saved, but to go tell other people how to get saved. That's that's how this thing works. That's how we have a church here today, is because people down through the ages have told other people how to be saved. And if nobody did that, we wouldn't have no church here. I'm wrapping it up. So they all they all got saved. The Bible said the Bible said and when they had brought them in, okay, and he took them the same hour of the night. I'm, I'm backing up. I'm I'm, I'm first thirty two rather. And they spake the word of the unto him the word of the Lord. They told him what did Paul tell him? What do you reckon Paul told him? I believe he told him exactly what the Bible said. The first Corinthians fifteen one through four says. Amen. How the cross died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and rose from the grave according to the scriptures. I believe he told him that. I believe that's exactly what he shared with him because that is what Paul called my gospel. Amen. And that's salvation to us. And it's dispensation of grace. He shared with him the same message, amen, that saved my soul, the same message that saved your soul. And he brought him into his house. He took him and he baptized him. The Bible said he, he took them... That's the jailer. He took them the same hour of the night, and he washed their stripes. You see this change that had taken place in this jailer? He wasn't trying to lock them in there, lock them, cuff them, and stuff them. He wasn't, he wasn't Roscoe P. Cole train anymore, amen? Listen, he wanted to do something good for them. These men had shown him how to have eternal life. He wanted to do something good for them. So he took them and he doctored them up. When it says he washed their stripes, that means he applied medical aid to them. He tried to fix what had been, to the best of his ability, what had been done wrong. And then the Bible said after he after he washed their stripes and, and, and they baptized him, he and all of his straightway. So you know what? They made sure the whole house got saved. And when he had brought them into his house, not only did he doctor them up, he showed them hospitality. You know Why? Because now they weren't prisoner and prisoners, they were brothers. They changed everything. Amen. There ought to be a change in somebody when they get saved. Their attitude toward other believers ought to change. We ought to see one another's family and love and help one another the way we should. So not only did he bring them into his house, he, he fed them. They broke bread together. He set meat before them, and they rejoiced. They rejoiced. They praised God for the salvation of that man's soul and his family. 
We ought to rejoice when people get saved. I'm thrilled that Jackie got saved. I am overjoyed. I've been I've been on cloud nine since since that happened. Amen. I'm excited as I can be, and I'm ready to get somebody else saved. Amen. I told y'all the other day, family, it wet my whistle. I'm ready to go. Amen. Listen, I, I sat back here waiting on the delivery guy. I was sitting there. Listen, he showed up Friday morning. I was loaded for bear, man. I'm sitting there. I, I, I was sitting up at the table in the kitchen. I had my stuff all spread out, studying and getting ready for this morning. And, and, and I had gospel tracks over here, and I was thinking, how am I going, how am I going to dress him? How am I going to go into this? How am I going to lead into to a gospel presentation? And, man, he come in the door. I said, no, I'm going to get me one. I'm going to get me one. He come in. I said, hey, where are you from? He said, we're from Dallas. And the other guy, he went back out and loaded the old stove. And that guy stayed in. I said, what's your name? He said, my name's Nathan. He's probably in his early 20s. And uh, I said, well, Nathan, I said, where, where, where at on Dallas? He said, oh, Mesquite. I said, yeah, I used to live in Mesquite. And uh, he found out he found out he knew right where I used to live and everything. And I said, well, let me ask you something, Nathan. I said, you go to church over there? He said, yes, sir. I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't expecting that. I said, well, that's great, man. I'm glad you go to church and everything. I said, but have you come to the point in your life where you're 100% certain? That you're going to heaven when you die? He said, absolutely. I said, you trust in Christ? Yes, sir, I sure have. Amen. Praise God. I said, well, you just ain't a delivery guy. You're my brother. Amen. We was rejoicing and praising God together. And he shared with me how he lost his mother early in life. But she impressed upon him his need for Christ and, and showed him the way of salvation. We just stood there and rejoiced and praised God together. Before he left, I prayed with him for about his sister's family and his dad. I'll tell you something. We need to, we need to branch out. We need to reach out to others. And I'm not saying, look at me, look at me. I'm not saying that at all. I just, I just did what God led me to do. But if we'll, if we'll do what God leads us to do, oh, life is so much better. Life is so much better. And not necessarily the circumstances, but your spiritual life is so much better. So, they spent a, I think they set up all night praising God. Amen. I plan, and this happened at night. This is midnight when all this started happening, when the earthquake happened. So from midnight to morning is during the time that all these things took place. So it's morning now, and uh, and the Bible said, and when it was day, the magistrate sent the ser- sent the sergeants saying, let those men go. Now I don't know why the magistrate sent the sergeants to let them go, but I guess they had a little time to think, and they thought, you know, we made a bigger deal out of this maybe than we should have. Uh, we kind of was a little harder on them than we should have been, seeing as how it was a bunch of a bunch of uh, criminals that came in here to start. I don't know how it happened, but they, but they sent them to let them go. And I see something interesting in this. The keeper of the prison told this saying, Paul, he said, they come to let y'all go. The magistrates have sent to let you go. Now you can leave and go in peace. Paul said unto the sergeants, he said, they beat us openly, out in the open in front of everybody, and we were uncondemned. We had we hadn't been charged with a crime, and yet you punished us as though we were guilty. He said, and we're Romans. Well, that scared him right there. Because, see, a Roman citizen had rights. You and I in this country, we have rights. And Paul had rights. Amen. But I want you to notice that Paul mentions his rights, but Paul's rights did not trump his message of why he was there. Paul could have stood up. I want you to notice something. Paul could have stood up in the beginning and said, hey, I'm a Roman. And you know what they would have done? They probably would have backed off. But you see, here's what I find in this. Paul was not trying to control his circumstances. Paul was letting God control his circumstances. Paul was willing to go through whatever he had to go through for Christ's sake. Why? Because Paul was on a mission from God. Paul was not out there doing what Paul wanted to do. Paul's life was hid in Christ Jesus, and Paul had put his hands in God, and he said, he said, and put his life in God's hands, and Paul said, you know what, whatever happens, happens. I'm trusting Christ. It probably didn't hurt the fact that, that Paul had already been in heaven, and he knew what was hell of him, but like I said, he feared. He did not fear death. So Paul could have stood up in the beginning and said, hey, I'm a Roman. Don't you beat me. But had Paul said that, this whole thing wouldn't take place. This jailer would not have gotten saved. You say, what a horrible thing to have to go through for somebody to get saved. Is it that horrible? 
Is it horrible to suffer for Christ? No, it's not horrible to suffer for Christ. Will you and I ever be called upon to suffer the way Apostle Paul did? Probably not. But our minor inconveniences in life are very little. And God, the God, God asks us to go through some things sometimes that we may not find favorable, but they're necessary. And when we do, if we lose our Christian attitude, if we become sour and bitter because we have to face some hardships in life, what kind of a signboard is that for Jesus? What kind of a billboard? What kind of a message is that for being a believer if we face difficulty that we have to fall apart just like the rest of the lost world that doesn't know Christ? We have the Holy Ghost of God living within us. We are saved. We are free from the penalty of sin and death. And therefore, this world cannot do much to us. And therefore, this world should not control and motivate or, or hold us back. Our eyes should be on Jesus. He's the author and finisher of our faith. And I can tell you this morning that Paul was trusting in the power of God, the power of the Holy Ghost in his life, not in what he could see with his eyes, because we walk by faith, not by sight. And they came and besought him. Oh, by the way, and when they told those words to the magistrates, the Bible said they feared. We're in hot water. Because you know what? If they go to the people over us, and tell them what we did, we're going to get in trouble. Did he do that? That wasn't his mission. He wasn't on a political mission. He wasn't trying to change the Roman government. Hey, you can't change the U.S. government. I hate to tell you, but there ain't a blooming thing you and I can do about anything going on in the government and the world around us. You might as well quit watching it and paying attention to what's going on right in front of us. That's one of the best pieces of advice I can give you this morning. I understand that there's terrible things happening in this world, but I can't do a thing about them. All I can do is what's right in front of me. And if I'll do that, God can use me. Amen? Listen, the Roman government was as wicked as hell twice over, but Paul was able to win souls in it. In the middle of it, in the middle of persecution, Paul was able to put, put souls up in heaven. You and I can do the same in the climate we live in today. And they came out. The sergeants told the words more. They feared when they heard they were Romans and they came. They came down. They said, well, we're going to hopefully patch this. They didn't play with politics. They're coming down to kiss babies and smooth and shake hands. We don't want trouble. We'll be y'all friends now, though we was ripping our clothes and commanding y'all to be beaten yesterday. We're going to be your friends now because we know we messed up. And they said, well, y'all please get out of here. I said, I besought them. They desired them to depart out of the city. Y'all please go hang around here. Y'all please go. Please go. Just go. Just go. Just go. And I noticed what Paul did. Paul didn't listen to them. Because the Bible said, and they came to Sodom and brought them out and started to depart out of the city, and they went out of the prison, and they entered into the house of Lydia. They said, you know what? We'll leave. But before we leave, we're going to go have a little fellowship with our, with our brothers and sisters in Christ out of Lydia's house. Then we'll leave. And that's what they did. They went down and they let them know we're okay. Listen, let me tell you what happened last night. Glory to God. Hey, y'all got a good work here going. We're going to leave, but God's with you. He ain't going to leave. Amen? Let me tell you this morning. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you're facing. But I can tell you this. The same God that was there in that prison last night is the same God that was you today. The same God that God can do anything through you and I. Let's stand together.